0: SaaS insiders, welcome to this episode of our podcast. Today with me I have Ben Adler, and uh, he's a CEO and the founder of Keyword Chef. And today we're going to talk about building a highly targeted audience for your SaaS. Now Ben has been in the business for quite some time in the SaaS industry as well, so he'll be sharing with us some of the things that we can implement in our SaaS businesses to grow our audience the right way. Ben, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Vlad, thanks for having me.
0: In two-minute version, could you give our audience a bit of an overview of your background, what you do, and...
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a programmer myself. I do have a programming background. I went to school for programming. I got a job programming. And then during that time, I was building uh, niche websites. And these are basically blogs around particular topics So I had a website about camping and I would make money from uh, affiliate links and ad revenue. I was writing my articles. I was doing keyword research, but I've always wanted to have a software company. So I tried a couple ideas that did not work out. And then I started to go into, um, I wanted to do online courses. So I made a Facebook group. I built my audience, uh, helping people to build niche websites and teaching them what I know. And then I learned that I didn't like making courses. It wasn't for me. I think it's a good business model, but I just didn't like doing it. So I stopped that. And then I figured, hey, I'm getting good at keyword research for bloggers and SEO. Why don't I automate what I'm doing manually and offer it to my group as a SaaS? So with my programming background, I spent uh, six months programming, working with a beta group. I launched it to my group. And you know, if you offer a good product to the right audience... As a, sex, as a recipe for success. So that's where I am today. And Keyword Chef is my main focus at the moment.
0: Wonderful. Well, congratulations, first of all, and to the community as well, because we've got another tech founder joining the boat. The reason I love those kind of journeys is because tech founders are very analytical because we have a technical backgrounds, right? So the moment we we'll figure out the marketing, we can be super structured at it. And we can optimize and it just clicks the moment we figure it out, it just goes. So that's a really good story. You've mentioned that you were actually helping a community to do some, like build niche websites, for example, and then you saw a need in them and you you created a SaaS around it, right? So we basically build like an audience uh, that we could sell the SaaS to. And um, why do SaaS founders even need to start building their target audience early? Why didn't, do you need to start thinking about it and planning it beforehand?
1: Yeah, I think earlier the better. One is, well, there's two reasons I would say. The first is like your community, is they're basically a group of buyers that trust you. <laughs> so if you put the right offer in front of them, if they trust you, you know, sales are going to be much easier. For me, I don't do any like paid ads at the moment. It's all organic. And if you have a community, you're able to connect with, other community owners, so that's like a networking opportunity, doing joint ventures, things like that. So a lot of organic marketing, and the second reason is to get feedback. When I was first building my products, you know there's a few members of my group that I really trusted, and I created a private Facebook group for them to be my to be my beta users. So that all happened with building my own audience, is finding these people. So it's just like you know a lot of people have trouble finding beta users from the very beginning, right? So like it's the speeds up the process of going to like launch a lot faster. And if you have a community, it's like people can come in through the community. So it's like another funnel for them. You can provide support in the community. You can get immediate feedback. Instead of sending out an email, you can just ask a group, hey, what do you think about this idea? You know, within an hour, you can get a bunch of replies. So it's like instant feedback, which, which is hugely valuable for your SaaS business.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a common topic, especially for aspiring founders, for virgin founders. who are just getting started on this um, journey. The questions they have is, okay, how, but how do I find customers? I've right? built this app, but where, where are my customers? What do you think are the consequences when founders neglect building their audience early on and just go straight into product implementation? Like, What do you think can happen to, to a business like this?
1: You mean you mean skipping the audience phase, or
0: yes, yes. If you if yeah. if you skip that audience building part of it and just go straight to it, let me build a product first and then I'll figure this out.
1: You're basically building a product in the vacuum, and you don't know if what you're building is actually what the market wants. You might be right, especially if you're your own customer. But I get I'm even if you're know your industry really well, like customers, like they still work differently and they still have different workflows. And they have different types of clients and businesses. You're skipping all that feedback if you don't build your own audience. So it's just like a lot of extra work. Uh, you're gonna find product market fit a lot slower than someone else who has that faster feedback.
0: That mm-hmm. doesn't bring any risks to a business at all. So for example, in addition to just being slower, do I risk like losing my investment because I build the wrong thing, or like what 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 are the consequences? Let's say if, if a founder specifically doesn't go and build their audience. Mm-hmm
1: yeah that's a good point like if if you have funding and you spend all your funding on a developer team and marketing to bring something to market and it's the wrong thing you just, you just wasted all that time and money. That might have been your entire runway mm-hmm. so, so so that that could potentially kill your business right there if that's if you used up all your resources
0: okay okay, interesting. well, n- now that we've got an idea of why we should be building the audience and the risks associated with neglecting this maybe you could share with us a little bit on what was your journey and finding your own audience? How did you nurture them? How to build a list of people that that are willing to help you build this product, test it and potentially buy it?
1: Like I said, I started with my own Facebook group. So how I built my group was I basically changed my cover photo in my profile to advertise my group. And then I just joined a bunch of other groups in my niche. And I just started helping people and answering questions. I wasn't spammy at it at all. You know, some people send like, Cold messages and things like that. I didn't do that. So I just was genuinely trying to help people, posting guides and case studies, and just become a valuable member of the community. And then people will start to friend you, and they'll be familiar with you, and then you can invite them over to your group.
0: Do you think this is um, this is required for you to to be the expert? I would say the the top one percent of the industry to know every person in the industry to start building your own community, your own your own audience. Or basically anyone could could start doing that by just being valuable.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be an expert at all. Well, there's a lot of people who are smarter than me at like building blogs and doing SEO and keyword research, but those smarter people, they aren't helping people. (laughs) So nobody's going to know about them, right? It's not how like smart you are, it's how helpful you are. Yeah, so as long as you're able to like help someone with their journey, they'll, they'll trust you.
0: SaaS Insiders, I want you to pick up those nuggets. It's, it's it's not that much how smart you are. It's more how helpful you are. If I got this correctly, you don't need to know Bill Gates to, to, to bring your own audience. Like You can start doing that by simply joining the communities and seeing how you can how you can provide value to them, how you can support them. Is, is that correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be on Facebook either. It could be on forums or it could be on Reddit. I've seen audiences built by other people on Reddit with SaaS products. If you know Ryan Fishkin from Moz, uh, he wrote this book, Lost and Founder. He talks about how he built his own audience. He was helping people on forums. He started with consulting and then he went to a SaaS company. But so his like entire business was built on helping people in forums, which is really cool. And he talks about it in this book.
0: Well, we'll we'll definitely put that in the list of the recommended items to yeah. people to check out. So if I'm a founder, I, I should go, just go where my customers live. It might be Facebook, it might be forums, it might be Reddit wherever they live, maybe LinkedIn, if they're yeah. B2B, especially big companies, we want to help. And we just provide value to them. We, we help them, we create some guides, we post some actionable content that people can use to, to help them grow.
1: Yeah, exactly. Twitter is another one. There's a lot of communities on Twitter as well. So just take your basics, You know, Facebook, mm. Twitter, Reddit, you mentioned LinkedIn, which is also good.
0: But let's say I joined some group and I just start providing value. How do I convert those people into my audience? How do I like um, funnel them to my platform, to my group? How can I start building this group of people that are actually curious about what I'm doing?
1: Yeah, um, what I did is um, I started funding people. People started friending me. On my wall, I said, hey, if you're interested in learning to build niche websites, join my group. And that's how I seeded my group with the first 50 members. And if you already have like a newsletter, you can advertise your group in the newsletter too. If you go to Keyword Chef, like I advertise my Facebook group in my footer of the, my website. So I call this like a dual funnel. Like people are coming into my landing page and they're joining my group, but they're also joining my group and then finding my landing page. So whichever way they come through, you know, they, they grow each other.
0: Hmm. So it's like a two way, basically. Yeah. They find Facebook group, they can they can see your website and they see your website, they can join the group. So
1: exactly. Like
0: you're going to, into buckets at the same time. Okay. And okay.
1: Facebook will actually advertise your group to like other similar groups, members. So it's it's like free advertising. Like Facebook is advertising your group for free, which is, which is really cool. Some people might find the group and then become a paying customer.
0: Okay. Okay. So we've kind of discussed how to get those first 5, 10, 15 people to join the group. What do you do from there? Like how, how can you make it more, how you can add dozens, hundreds, potential thousands of new members joining your audience? Like how do we scale it from that? Because I think maybe if we continue doing manual, it might be not as efficient if we do it exactly the same. So maybe yeah. maybe you could show that a little bit more strategies on how to do that.
1: So in the beginning, your group is not going to be very active just because it doesn't have a lot of members. So in the beginning, you as a group owner are going to be very, you're going to be responsible for the activity in the group. So you have to be very active. You want to answer everyone's questions just because if someone comes to your group and if they don't get help in your group, they're going to go to a different group. So you wanna keep them coming back to your group. So it's making sure people are taken care of in your group and just help them out. Even if you don't know the answer immediately, maybe you can do a couple of minutes of research and just provide like really detailed, helpful answers that show that you genuinely care about helping these people. So I, th- I think empathy is a huge part of communities. There's some groups that are like, they're always trying to push their products. There's a lot of promotional posts in there, but if, if you simply just help people, That they'll trust you and they'll become customers eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just people want to know how I build my group fast or how do I build my audience fast? I don't think there is a good way to build it fast. Like there might be, but I'm more of like a slow and steady approach. So I've had my group for a few, like maybe four years. It has like 10,000 members in it. I mean, it took four years to get to that point. You know, it's a slow process, but it's something that you want to keep steady with. There's yeah.
0: a big difference between like 10,000 people with 30% engagement and 10,000 people with like 2% engagement, right? Because the group can be of the same size, but totally different outcome, both in terms of research data, but also revenue for your product.
1: That's a very good point. I've seen groups that, you know, they're a hundred thousand members, but they're super spammy. They're trying to audiences off, you know, <laughs> it's it's not a very helpful group for your, in that, in the, for your product in that regard.
0: Sometimes when you join those groups, it almost it almost feels like threatening when you join them and there's all of the spam, just join this, join that. Yeah. Here's my offer, buy this, right? And it's like, that's not helpful at all. Nope. So I, I, I love your approach of helping people one by one, improving their lives and making them stick. What do you think would be the science for me as a founder to understand that I'm doing the right thing? So let's say I'm, I'm following the process. I'm adding value to people. I'm inviting them to my group. How do I know my audience is growing in a healthy way? How do I measure that? Are there any metrics, any any kind of reference points?
1: I think it's based on the feedback you'll get. Like a lot of people in the beginning, I put a lot of effort into my group in the beginning, but I've had people tell me it's one of the best groups on Facebook. That right there was a good sign. So what I would do, I would write these very in-depth guides. I just like pour everything I in my brain into like this guide and I would put it, I would put it as a pin post in my group. So when people join, they're like, wow, look at all this helpful information. They're like, they're like blown away they'll leave feedback on that and you'll know that you're doing the right thing. is based on feedback.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that feedback in terms of like comments to your posts, DMs, right?
1: Yeah. All, all of that. Any, any kind of feedback, any praise that you get about your group, how helpful it is, and things like that.
0: Man, if you were to give one like most important advice to founders, or to our listeners, to, to build their audience, what that advice would look like?
1: I think consistency is huge. Like, people start out with a big bang, but they quickly fizzle. You know, for someone to trust you, you have to be in the industry for a while, right? You can't just be here and there. And I have an unwritten rule that I don't work with anyone unless they like have been in the industry for at least a year. (laughs) Because I've seen people come and they want to promote their course or YouTube video. The next month they're they're completely gone. (laughs) I mean, how can you trust a person like that, you know? So showing up every day, being consistent, being helpful. That's my number one tip for growing an audience.
0: That's really important. I know myself when I'm trying when I try as founders to promote ourselves. Like when we're recording some YouTube videos, it's it's much easier to to record five videos per day than record like once. Than record one yeah. video for the thirty days because yeah. it sounds it sounds like it's less work and you kind of can can like stretch it out to the whole month. But it's more about coming back to this and it just it just feels it, it's much different. So I, I totally yeah.
1: appreciate it. Exactly, that's that's a good point.
0: Ben, it's really important for SAS insiders to meet you as well a bit on a personal level because we're building a community of people and we want to know each other a bit better. Just a couple more personal questions to learn more of you as a person. When it comes to you work, spending your time outside of work, what do you think are the activities that get you in the flow state? What, what, what makes you detach from, from your work and actually have some, some, free, some free space in your mind?
1: I think that's really important. You can't be working, well, you could, but you might get burned out if you are working 24-7 all the time. Weekends, I take off from work typically um, just to like relax and reset myself. So I like to go camping and that's a good reset. Just being out in nature and being away from my work environment completely, being away from the laptop and just like relaxing and having fun for a couple of days. That for me is a good reset. And then I I go to the gym a few days a week and that's like, it's good to get out of the house for me because I work from home. <laughs> but the gym is like, you know, you just lift weights, you don't need to think about anything. It's very like it's very simple. So when you're at the gym, you know. Got it.
0: You're working with your body so your brain can can kind of relax in the moment. Yeah. I can I can definitely relate. This is something we probably are aligned to on the nature, because that's one of the few things that get me out of my work state in my mind. Because when I eat, I think about work when I shower. <laughs> I think about work, even when I do some other stuff, which I'm not going to tell you, I'm still thinking about work sometimes, <laughs> right? And uh, I've been yeah. talking to mentors and they're asking like, how much do you work? And I said, well, i try to keep five days per week because my wife helps me achieve that because otherwise I would be working seven days a week. And they said, well, maybe your wife should be running the business then instead of you because she she gets it. You need to get yeah. to disattach from the work. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, we're on the same page here. Other thing is, what's the one piece of advice you would give to younger self, maybe when you were just getting started on your SaaS journey or even a bit bit before that, let's say two, three, five years ago, if you were to travel back in time and tell Ben one very important piece of advice, what that would be?
1: It's kind of funny because you don't know about, you can't learn lessons unless you make mistakes sometimes. (laughs) So it's all part of the journey. But one thing I would tell myself was to like go into a market I understand Am familiar with. So one SaaS company, I tried to build a product for car dealerships, but I didn't know anything about car dealerships. I've never worked in one. I didn't know anyone who did. I didn't have any sales experience. So I was trying to sell to car dealerships, and it was a very uphill battle for me because I didn't understand the market at all. I was competing with all these other vendors who did know the market, who did have sales experience. So I was like, it was hard for me to produce content even because I didn't know what I was talking about, right? <laughs> So audience building was that much harder for me. So that was a good lesson for me is like, you know, stick to what I know and avoid unfamiliar markets.
0: Yeah, it's almost like when you're trying to build a solution for a problem you don't understand yourself. It's like, let's let's solve this imaginary problem <laughs> that I think is there, but we'll figure this out, right? Yeah, And you're looking at all the solutions or people crushing it. And yours kind of kind of similar, but something was missing probably right at that time.
1: There was a lot of challenges. Basically, it was a widget for their car dealership website, but they already have a bunch of w- widgets already on the website. I was competing for like space on their website. I was competing against these other vendors. These general managers were getting calls like 100 times a day from other vendors. So, so it's like, how do I even contact these people? And there's like better, more professional people. Like... <laughs> targeting them a lot more than I am. So, yeah.
0: The re- red ocean is what is what they call it. It's
1: yeah, means. yeah. O-
0: saturated, pip- cutthroat cut business, people yeah. are competing on price.
1: And no audience. Like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I see, I see. Okay, okay, SaaS Insiders, make sure you've, you go into market you understand or learn the market before you go into that because that'll give you an edge and understanding of a problem and the audience you solve this problem for. And then you can apply the teachings that Ben has been sharing with us and building the audience. And from that, we can can move on with scaling our size. What are the one of the biggest challenges that you're currently facing as a founder of uh, Keyword Chef? And what are the things that others can help you with? In this community, we have a lot of people, technical backgrounds, non-technical backgrounds, fundraising, VCs. So a lot of people are listening and what would be the things you need help with so people can get in touch?
1: Things I struggle with right now. One, I'm just like a solo founder. I'm doing everything at the moment. Marketing is not my strong point. i talk about audience building, but like it wasn't until much later where I actually sent like a newsletter (laughs) to my audience. So like branching out from outside my audience in terms of marketing. And then there's like some programming challenges I'm facing where like, I'm working with a lot of big data. I have an SEO tool. So there's a lot of keywords and a lot of data, and just it's just like, how do I process process that data more efficiently? So that's what I'm currently working on right now, which I'm pretty close to finishing up. So those are those would be two challenges I'm I'm facing.
0: So the marketing side, outside of outside of building an audience, and yep. uh, some technical help. Are you looking for more like a co-founders or just someone who could who could help you with this, like as a as a one-time thing?
1: I'm open to both. I think a co-founder. Would be very tricky for me, just because I'm so used to working solo. I would need the right person that I really trusted who shared my vision. I understand. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand. So I'm. That's a, a normal. I think it's a normal uh, mindset.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Of course. Especially when you get started yourself and you do it for one, two years, you kind of get used to things to having full control, right? And then someone comes into your business and you kind of need to trust them on running the marketing yeah. side of it, which which kind of produces clients. And how do I do that?
1: It's, the, it's that's a lot trust, yeah, oh,
0: yes, of of course, the right person. <laughs> it's it's much it's super easy to get a partnership. It's super hard to get out of it. so we got <laughs> make decisions, right. What do you think will be the three most valuable resources uh, people could get to elevate their SaaS business? One of them you've mentioned is lost and founder. Yep. Uh, which we are putting on the on the cover of this episode. What are the other resources? It can be books, can be some podcasts, shows some speakers, right, maybe mentors, anyone really could that that or anything that could they could provide value to people.
1: Another book I really liked was Getting Real by Basecamp. You can get it for free. You can download it for free. They have a PDF. But I must have read that book like four times. And it talks about how to build like simple opinionated software that works really well, how to go to market quicker and just like cut all the BS out of your development and just like Get down to business to have something that works really well. I think at the time, it was kind of like groundbreaking because a lot of people, they did not have remote teams, you know, back in the day and things like that. So it's more like normal now, but I think when it first came out, it was like very groundbreaking. But it has a lot of principles in that book, too, that I really enjoyed. And the third resource, I would say, are just like Facebook groups. You know, if you have a question about email provider or payment processor, a lot of Facebook groups will... Give you help that you need based on your question mm-hmm. um, i've connected with a lot of people inside SaaS facebook groups that have gave me some really good t- tips for my business in terms of tech
0: okay okay any any other recommendations any other sources resources
1: that, that's it i mainly stick to like a small world if you will
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 awesome sass so just will be putting those in the comments uh, in the description for the episode so you can check out the books and more recommendations from ben but one thing is I'm always curious about is, what does success mean to you? Of course, at different stages of, of us discovering ourselves as entrepreneurs, as founders, as wives and husbands, right, fathers and mothers, we all change what success means for us. But at this stage of your life, maybe it's, it's business-related, personal-related, there is no right answer. What yeah. do you think what success means to you at this, at this stage of your life?
1: You know, before I first had a SaaS business, I always put like a money value, but I learned like once you have more money, like you get, be, that becomes a new normal for you. And then you just like want more money. So, <laughs> as I grow personally, like, I think like personal, like, um, like learning to be myself and like doing what I want in life without like, you know, like actually going after what I want and like, like being happy. That's, that's success for me.
0: So success is doing what you love.
1: From yeah. day to day. For example, like a lot of times, I daydream about moving to like the warm climate, and you know, or something. And it's like, well, I could technically do that now, like you know. (laughs) So I'm like, am I holding myself back by not doing those things? Having like no restraints, just like doing what I want, that would be like success for me. Not not holding myself back.
0: Got it. Got it. So it sounds like there's also like the, the psychological side to it, right? It's yeah, definitely. Like unchaining yourself and, and doing what you really want to do. Yeah, yeah. Ben, where would be the best place for founders and other listeners of our podcast to connect with you? A- any place where I could drop your message, call you, send you an email to learn how they can support you or maybe seek help from you if, if they want to learn more?
1: Yeah, so I I mentioned Facebook a lot. You can find me on Facebook or you can email me, um, ben at keywordchef.com. I read every message that comes through. So don't think you're bothering me if you have a question.
0: We'll put those in the description to the episode so people can get in touch. Ben, any last thoughts, any last word on on our topic today?
1: No, just like, just be like authentic, just help people. um, And that will get you very far, I think.
0: Awesome, awesome. South Insiders has been Ben Adler and how to craft a highly targeted audience for your SaaS. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you.